Good morning, my friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks. Welcome today to Morning Glory, our midweek Bible study. And I'm so glad that you are here today. Why don't you grab your Bibles and meet me in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 11. And let's begin today in verse 12. But first, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, that it is our spiritual food. And we thank you that as we consume it today, it is supplying strength and direction for our victory in you. Now, Father, we thank you for the power of prophecy and the spoken word. And we thank you that things are coming to pass in this now season. And we give you all of the praise in Jesus' name. And together we say, Amen. Praise God. I'm feeling kind of militant today, in case you can't tell. <laughs> praise God. Amen. Well, I thought I would match the uh, background with the message. You'll see why here in just a little bit. We'll talk about David, uh, King David some today. But first, the words of Jesus, Matthew chapter 11, verse 12. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. My friends, the, the kingdom of God is within you. And there comes times when you must really make the push in order for the promises to be delivered. Amen. Just like a woman, when she is in labor and it's time to deliver, it takes the extra push because now the time has come for kingdom promises to be manifested and fulfilled. And I know that's where many of you are at, uh, right now, today. That's why I want to talk about doing warfare with your prophecies. Now, let's go to Job chapter 22. Job is right in front of the book of Psalms. Job 22, and drop down to verse 28. You will also declare a thing, and it will be established for you, so light will shine on your ways. My friends, there is an an anointing by the power of the Holy Spirit to actually declare a thing, not just flippantly or off the, you know, off the cuff because you're just trying something. But no, when you do it in faith with the anointing and the Holy Spirit is backing what you're saying, there is the ability to declare a thing and it will be established for you. Just as you say, it's amazing. You can prophesy your victory. Praise God. And you need to do that. You need to say, I'm going to make it. Why don't you say that right now? I'm going to make it. Say everything will be just fine. Hallelujah. Praise God. You need to learn to prophesy your victory. And we see that we can. We see that we can have what we say, Job 22, verse 28. But here's the catch. You have to do the speaking yourself. Even Jesus, when he went to the tomb of the dead man, Lazarus. Well, Jesus was the one that said, Lazarus, come forth. Jesus wasn't waiting for God to say something, but Jesus knew that he was authorized to speak on God's behalf. But God won't do that speaking. We have to do the speaking. We have to prophesy and call forth what we are supposed to call forth. And it's time to really focus on that right now, because there are some things God's bringing forth in your life of great victories that I believe many of them will be so great. It's like a new chapter of your life opens up. 
And uh, it's not only like a new level, but even in some ways like a new dimension that you would be walking in. And it's time for those things. Praise the Lord. Now, let's take a look at this in the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 21, and let's drop down to verse 15. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom, which all your adversaries will not be able to contradict or resist. Amazing. God has put a measure of creative power within your mouth. But my friends, we need to speak it out. Praise the Lord. Your address, your way of speaking to the situation is based upon what the word of God says. We are always going to agree with the word and we're going to speak along the line of that not along the line of circumstances, because so often the circumstances can be completely contrary to what God says. Again, look at this, for I will give you a mouth and wisdom, which all your adversaries will not be able to contradict or resist. So the mouth, uh, which does the speaking and the wisdom, which shows us what we should speak those come together, but we need the mouth and we need the wisdom. You can't just have the wisdom, but not use your mouth. Now listen, a closed mouth means a closed destiny. It means areas of your life, areas of God's best that he has pre-planned for you, even before you were born, what we would call your destiny. There are areas of that that you just cannot fulfill it with a closed mouth. You must open your mouth and boldly declare over your life, you must prophesy over your destiny that what God has spoken to you will come to pass. And you need to speak out those specific things because for each of us, we all have individual prophecies. So you need to say, this is coming to pass and speak over it and declare it before it ever happens. So you have your mouth and you have the wisdom. Now we must we must join both of them together and speak the wisdom that would flow through us by the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Prophesy your victory, call it into manifestation and watch what God will do. Praise the Lord. I'm telling you that when you begin to speak what God says, and you won't move off of that, you simply will not accept defeat because that's not an option. And when you declare with great boldness, what God's plan is, what God's will for your life is, and it's lining up, sinking, and harmonizing with the scriptures, then I'll tell you, um, there is a release of angels. The Lord of hosts begins to authorize miracles to happen in your life. But you need to speak forth your miracle. You actually need to call out the specific miracle that you're wanting God to do and prophesy it in the manifestation. Praise the Lord. And we see quite a few examples of this in the Bible. And there are many verses I could pull up, but let's go to one that would be key because it's classic and it shows us uh, what worked then and how these same principles still will work for any believer today. And I tell you what, it does stir up a boldness in you. Praise God. Now let's jump over to it. This is found in 1 Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel chapter 17. And you might think, well, Pastor Stephen, I don't know if I could really actually say that this is going to happen. I don't know if I have that 
uh, boldness to, de to, to declare and prophesy over my life that this is going to come to pass. If you feel hesitancy about that, or if you feel like, well, maybe it's not going to happen. Well, what happens if I say it and it doesn't happen? That would denote or would actually reveal a weak area in your faith that needs to be built up. And when you're strong in faith, that, that faith is the wisdom of God. The word of God is the wisdom of God. So when you're strong in that area, remember the mouth and the wisdom must come together and you must speak the wisdom of God. And if you think, well, I don't know if I can do that. That's a sign where there is some weakness. So when you are strong, you speak it out. Well, Pastor Stephen, what if I feel so weak that I, what if I feel so defeated that um, I, I don't even want to do that? Well, your confession of what God says is yours and your confession of the word of God actually will bring strength into you. And so you need to declare it even when you feel weak. Let the weak say, I am strong. And as you make that declaration, which is backed by the word, strength will come. And as you declare and prophesy miracles, miracles will also come into your life. Mm -hmm. God needs to hear your prophetic utterances. Why? Because he needs to know what you want him to do. <laughs> well, Pastor Stephen, I pray. Yes, you pray, but you also need to declare. You declare a thing, and that's, that's what's going to be established, and the angels need to hear that. The angels want to go to work. They want to get on the assignment. They want to be involved in it. They are, they are these like servants who are ministers serving on behalf of the Lord, helping you to support you to accomplish what God has called you to do. Praise the Lord. Amen. First Samuel chapter 17. Let's drop down to verse two. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together and they encamped in the valley of Elah and drew up in battle array against the Philistines. So this battle took place in the valley of Elah. Now, when we were in Israel just a few weeks ago, we actually went to the valley of Elah where this very battle took place. And as you're driving down the highway, there's a white marker. There's a sign that points to this uh, historic site. And it's amazing when you go there because this event took place almost exactly 3,000 years ago, and hardly anything has changed with the landscape. Everything is still almost identical to what happened uh, back then. Um, let me read a little bit further. The Philistines stood on a mountain on one side. That mountain is still there, and that is called Ephes Damon. And you can look over there, and you can see it. That's where the Philistines were at. That's where they had their encampment. And it says that Israel stood on a mountain on the other side with a valley between them. And that mountain, uh, which is a large hill, is still there today. Now, let me um, pop up a picture uh, that picture that you're seeing is me standing there in the valley of Elab, standing right, uh, not actually in the center, but I am standing right in the area, most likely where David killed Goliath. And so what would happen 
is uh, Goliath came out for 40 days and 40 nights, and he would just ridicule and, and uh, mock the Israelites. And 40 has always been a number that represented great trials and testing and great difficulty. And so there was a lot of what we would call mind games going on here with all of the threats and all of the taunting. And uh, it's, uh, it's something that the enemy tries to do. That's why we have a lot of compassion for the IDF, the Israel Defense Forces. Can you imagine living in a nation knowing that there are 250,000 rockets pointed at you right now and they could be launched at any moment? And that's what Israel faces every day. You have Hamas in the south. You have Hezbollah in the north. They have over a quarter million rockets prepared, ready to go at any moment. And uh, even when we were in Israel, there were over 500 rockets launched uh, towards Tel Aviv and towards the southern part of Israel. And a few got through, even with David's sling and the Iron Dome, a few got through. But um, that, that creates like a, like a mental war game. And it can be very, very fatiguing living in an environment like that every day. But here we see that the two armies were separated by the valley. It's called the Valley of Elah. And that's, of course, me standing in the middle there at the Valley of Elah. And let me bring up the next picture. The next picture is me, and I'm standing right in front of that mountain or large hill where the Israelites had their encampment. And I was teaching our tour group right there at that site. And you could walk up on top of that hill, and that's where the ancient Israelites were camped out. And so you had a pretty high position. So Goliath would walk up to the base of that hill for 40 days, and he would speak up to the Israelites saying, Give me a man who will fight me. And let's just take a, a winner take all. If your guy wins, then you, uh, we, we surrender. If, if, if I win, then all of you surrender. So this is the exact spot. And there's also the brook that was right behind me. As you can see that picture, you see the hill. The brook was also right behind me and uh, it's still full of stones. Now that little brook, when we were there, had no water in it, but every year it fills up completely with water. Very, very interesting. There's also, you can't see it, but right behind me was a little path that goes up on that hill. And that pathway has been there for thousands of years. And that is the same path that David came down when he ran down and he came down to the brook and got his five smooth stones. That's the same pathway that he uh, ran down on. It's just absolutely amazing. Praise the Lord. So, Let's drop down now to verse 40. Let's skip a few verses and jump over the verse 40. There's something I want to get to, very special. Then he, David, took his staff in his hand, and he chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook. And we do know that Goliath had four brothers. So uh, five giants and five stones. And put them in a shepherd's bag, in a pouch which he had, and his sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. Now, Bethlehem is about 15 miles south of this location. So it is possible that David 
was already familiar with this area as he was a shepherd watching over the flocks. And the flocks, you know, you're going to roam around and you're going to be looking for different sources of water and uh, different uh, sources of greenage for the um, uh, sheep to eat. So he could have very well uh, have taken his sheep through this very area before. So uh, he was uh, most likely familiar with this area. But he, he now is at this location uh, you're about 20 miles from the Mediterranean Ocean. Uh, the Philistines, what's going on with them is that they lived on the coast. They lived in the area of Ashdod and Ashkelon, and they were pretty much coastal people. As a matter of fact, the ancient origins of the Philistines trace all the way back to Crete. Okay, so they were an island-type people, and they liked living next to the beach. But they're trying to press inward, and the land, much of the land in that area that Joshua had already conquered and had taken for the Israelites, the Philistines are like, well, we think we would like to have it too. We would like to expand our kingdom. So there's these constant skirmishes going on between the Israelites and the Philistines, and this was a pretty much whoever wins this battle is going to be in charge for quite some time. Well, we see here again that David drew near to the Philistine. One of the most amazing scriptures in the Bible is that David ran to the battle. <laughs> I mean, he, uh, he's not only not afraid, he is running towards Goliath. This is very fascinating. I want to share something about the prophetic utterances that you make with great faith, with great force, um, with the power of the Holy Spirit writing on them. I want you to understand something very carefully now as we go down to verse 44. And the Philistine said to David, come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beast of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword, with the spear and with the javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Now look at verse 46. And may the same spirit of faith that was on David, may it touch you, and as it touches you, and the wisdom of the word, which is the strength of faith, goes into you, may it also cause your mouth to do something. May it cause your mouth to make a proclamation of, of prophecy, that something is going to be fulfilled in your life. And that's what David did. Look at verse 46. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from you. Well, this is, this is pretty wild. David is saying he's going to win. So first of all, you have to understand that while we think of this as a battle, this is a fight to the death. Somebody's going to die today. And when it's real like that, tensions are high, emotions are, are, are through the roof, and you are wired. Why? Because somebody's about to get killed. You, you don't want it to be you. <laughs> <laughs> and so he is making some bold declarations that he's going to win. He's saying, I'm going to kill you and I'm going to take your head off. And this is not like just like some kind of a wild statement. He is going to do it. He is prophesying exactly what he's going to do. And you can do the same thing. You prophesy your victory before the victory is ever actually walked out in the natural. Pastor Stephen, I've never really done that. You need to do it. Even if you don't feel like doing it, do it. And as you do it, strength comes, faith comes. And this was something that David understood. 
And this day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beast of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Now, let's dig a little bit deeper. Verse 48. So it was when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, and David hurried and ran. That's, that's bold faith. He, he is going to get this job done. You need to have that same attitude where problems or mountain-type situations, they want to put you on the run. The devil wants to put you on the run, but you have to learn to attack these problems and not act like, well, maybe they'll, we just hope they go away. No, you need to run and go towards them and deal with them in wisdom, deal with them in faith, and use your mouth also to prophesy your victory. He ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. Then David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone, and he slung it and struck the Philistine in his forehead so that the stone sank into his forehead, and he fell on his face to the earth. Now, right at that moment, Goliath is dead. He is, he's been killed. Verse 50 uh, brings this out. It's even stronger in the Hebrew. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. So he actually has, has now killed Goliath. Goliath is dead. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Now, you have to see it like this. Let's, let's say you are watching a football game, and uh, the players are out on the field. But you're in the stands, and your stands are on this mountaintop. You, and the other uh, people, they've got their, their grandstand is on the other mountaintop or on the top of these two hills. And so you got this valley in the middle. And if you saw Goliath fall and you were a Philistine, maybe you weren't quite sure what actually happened. I mean, you, you saw him. He actually fell forward on his face. I've heard some very misinformed people say, well, this couldn't be real because if he was really hit in the head, he'd fall backwards. No. You have to understand the size of Goliath. When you look at the cubit measurements given in the Bible to describe Goliath at the shortest, if you take the shortest measurement of a cubit, he was nine feet, nine inches tall. If you take the standard measurement that was used for a cubit, Goliath was 13 feet, seven inches tall. The armor that he had on him, I've heard several theologians say that the weight of the armor very well could have been 700 pounds of armor. He had a, like a brass sheath uh, type armor over his chest and upper body. He had uh, brass armor on his legs. He had, a, he had a, a spear and the tip of the spear alone, just a tip, weighed 15 pounds. But when you start adding all of it up and you look at the gargantua size of this man, you could see why even hit, even if he would have been shot with a bullet from a rifle, he's not going backwards all of that weight is going to go forward. And he fell on his face. But if you saw that, remember David slung the swing, but that, that rock came out of that sling so fast, it's like a bullet. You can't see that. So on the Israeli side, they were probably wondering, did we just see what we thought we saw? Did he just kill this guy? And the Philistines, because you're not right up front. You know, you're, you're looking maybe from like 50 or 70 yards away. And the Philistines are probably thinking, what just happened? Did Goliath trip? Did he, did he uh, trip over a root or a stump? <laughs> or did, did, did what we just see happen actually happen? Did David just kill our champion? Well, uh, David 
knows that Goliath is dead, but he's going to finish it off by doing an act that lets everybody know, yeah, he's dead for sure. And this is what he does next. He, he is going to do exactly what he prophesied. I'm telling you, some of you within days are going to find yourself walking out the prophecy that you declared. Mm -mm. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. So Goliath is dead by the very fact that that stone went into his head. Verse 51, therefore David ran and stood over the Philistine, took his sword and drew it out of its sheath and killed him. Now he's already dead, but this in the Hebrew would mean like finished him off. Okay. And cut off his head with it. Well, by this time, everybody knows uh -oh. <laughs> because up to this point, the Philistines are real nervous, but nobody's fleeing and running away yet. But when David cut the head off, yeah, they take off running because they realize, uh Oh, we're in big trouble. And so just like in sports, you could have a team that's just losing, losing in this game. They're, they're being blown out, but suddenly the momentum begins to happen. You would see that often in football when Tom Brady used to be the quarterback. And you, even like in a Super Bowl, it would seem like they're going to lose. Might as well turn the game off. And you come back later, you missed an epic comeback. Why? The momentum shifted. So the killing of Goliath in the spirit realm caused a tremendous shift of momentum and fear hit the Philistines and boldness just rose up in the Israelis and they begin to give pursuit. Praise the Lord. And so we see, and when the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. And then the men of Israel and Judah arose and took uh, flight and began to chase them and cut down a whole bunch of Philistines. Now, I want you to understand the miracle nature of your prophetic utterance. Let me, t let me tell you a little bit more about what happened to Goliath. When David made that shot with his sling and that stone hit Goliath in the forehead in the military or in special ops or in sniper school or in SWAT or high level police training. This is called a kill shot. Let me give you an example. Let's say you have a really bad guy and he takes an innocent person hostage. The bad guy has a gun and he takes the gun and he points it to the head and holds it to the head of the hostage. And the bad guy has his finger on the trigger. And so he's making demands. He has a hostage and you can't really do anything to him because if you try, all he's going to do, he's going to pull the trigger and he's going to kill an innocent victim. Now, of course you could still then kill him, but somebody has died and you don't want to happen. We don't want that. So they know, military special ops know, that in situations like that, there's only one thing you can do that will end it instantly. And it's called a kill shot. And it's a shot that the bullet has to come in just like this. And it's called the T-box area. It's the area of the upper nose, and it's the area uh, right around the eyes, and this top area or the lower area of the forehead. And if a bullet comes in or stone because that stone was coming in at a phenomenal velocity because it sunk into his head, just like a bullet would when it comes in just like that and, and penetrates what happens is there's something about the nervous system. There's something about the brain that if a projectile comes in into that T box area it's called an instant kill shot and the person falls to the ground, you can't even pull the trigger. 
There's not even a reflexive action. There's nothing. Uh, when that happens, the person doesn't even know what hit them. Goliath honestly never even knew what hit him. All he knows is that he wakes up, he's in hell. <laughs> he lifts up his eyes in hell. So that is what that's called. That's called the hit shot there in that T area. But I want you to understand the miracle of this. Let me see if I can give a little background that will help you to understand how wild of a miracle this was that God came in and helped David, empowered David's prophecy to be fulfilled. Recently, over the last few years, we've seen a lot of uh, pressure against police officers to be kinder to the criminals. And people have actually uh, made statements like this. Well, you shouldn't kill the guy. You should shoot him in the leg or just shoot him in the arm. Or if the bad guy has a gun, shoot the gun out of his hand and just shoot him in the hand. But don't kill him. <laughs> you have to understand uh, how absurd that is in the area of real warfare and in real life situations. To shoot a moving target in the leg while you are also moving, while that person is trying to kill you and you are under extreme stress and your emotions are going through the roof, it's like literally impossible to do. You see it in movies, but that's why they're movies. They're fake. <laughs> in real life, when somebody is running towards you and they're trying to kill you and you're running towards them, so they're a moving target and you're trying to hit that target. So David is going to try to hit Goliath where? In the head. What's Goliath wearing? A helmet. He has this thick brass helmet. And the only open area of Goliath is that little tee box area. And that is the exact spot where David lands that stone, which is right in the forehead of Goliath. Police officers call it through all of their training. This is the same in the military. They call it aim for center body mass. Why? You want to aim for the biggest area of the body. That would be the chest area. Why? Because when stuff is going down and people are moving and the person, the bad guy is trying to kill you and all of this, you have all of these other outside influences. It's hard enough alone just to hit center body mass. It's literally impossible to hit a leg or to hit a foot. That, that's just not reality. <laughs> so although Goliath is big, he is fast. Don't think for a moment that he wasn't. He's not some slow, clumsy, uh, you know, like ogre. No, he is big, powerful. He's moving. And there's only a little bit of an area where David can hit him. That's going to make the impact that's needed. And David hit that one singular spot and it killed Goliath instantly. My friends, I'm here today to tell you that you can release powerful prophetic decrees out of your mouth that one decree can be so powerful that it's, it's the bullet that takes your Goliath down and all of the taunts, taunts and all of the 40 days of agony and all of the intimidation and bullying over just like that. And that spiritual operation behind the scenes of evil, bringing the sickness, uh, bringing the, um, the, the fear, bringing 
heavy depression or whatever it might be. A prophetic decree out of your mouth has the ability to be launched out of your mouth with the spirit of God jumping on that stone, putting supernatural velocity on it. Look, I know David trained. I know that when David was out in the field as a shepherd boy, you have a lot of free time on your hands. So he became a master musician and he obviously was really good, not just average, but really good with a sling and a stone. But don't kid yourself for a moment. This was a miracle shot. You cannot make that shot on a moving target when you're moving He's moving, just covered with armor. No, this was a God shot. (laughs) But your prophecy, your prophecy is the miracle that God can jump on and put his velocity and put his power on and the Lord of hosts will come on the scene. But you've got to be like David. David told Goliath, today I'm going to kill you. I'm going to take your head off and your body is going to be fed to the birds and all of your buddies, all of their bodies, we're going, to, we're going to kill them and we're going to feed them to the birds also. Now, here is the reaction of your normal everyday Christian. Oh, what arrogance. Can you believe the way that David talked? What an arrogant young man. And they cannot differentiate between arrogance and pride and the, bo- the boastfulness of, you know, of, of people trying to, you know, make proclamations when it's all in the flesh. They can't tell the difference between that, which is just flesh and the power of God, the word of God. But let me tell you what, in the spirit realm, there's a, they, they know in the spirit realm, the enemy knows a stone's coming. We better get out of the way or we're going to be the next victim. or We're going to be the next testimony that's offered up in the house of the Lord. <clears throat> they know, and the angels know, but I'll tell you what, They can't get out of the way. I'm telling you, God, through your prophecies, is going to jump on your prophecies, but you must open your mouth and make a mighty decree, and God will fulfill it. You will see. Pastor Stephen, what's that in your hand? This is a stone from Israel, from the valley of Elah, out of the same brook that David picked his five. Pastor Stephen, you should have got a smooth round one like David did. I think, I think maybe David got the last one. <laughs> or maybe the Taurus group before we showed up, right? <clears throat> but this is where that came from. And here's the rule of thumb in Israel. You can take a stone, but if you do, you've got to bring somebody back to Israel with you next time you come. So next time I come back to Israel, I'm bringing another tour. Amen. So <laughs> maybe I should take a few more, right? <laughs> Amen. So this is how you fought in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, you're going you're gonna to work with the prophetic utterance just like David did. Make your bold proclamation. Make your bold proclamation. Within 30 days, I'll be out of debt. Or this is my day, this is my day or this is my week of healing, or whatever it might be. Or today is the last day that depression will ever torment me ever again. Today is the last day that fear will ever boss me around or intimidate me ever again. Praise God. And watch God jump on that prophetic utterance and cause it to be fulfilled in your life. This is the day. This is the hour of bold proclamations. Why? Because God's fulfilling them. God's fulfilling them. I'm telling you, you will have what you say. So since you're going to have what you say, you might as well say what you want. 
you might as well, well decree that thing that is in your heart and step into victory. Amen. And I believe your victory can have repercussions. Well, it's not only a victory for you like it was for David. It, it's an overflow, and it turns into a victory for the Israeli soldiers. Amen. That's why I've got my IDF pin on. I feel a little bit like David today. Amen. <laughs> we know that the IDF, uh, Israeli Defense Force, is more of what we would call a modern-day invention, along with the state of Israel being rebirthed again. But we have to say that perhaps David was one of the original founders of the original IDF. Amen. But they've got that same spirit of faith. You better believe it. Amen. Uh, Golan Heights battle. Uh, when the Six-Day War took place against Israel. And uh, there in the Golan Heights, the northern area of Israel, the Israelis had about 80 tanks, and Syria came against them. Are you ready for this? They came against Israel from the north with 1,000 tanks. They had over 1,000 tanks versus 80. And uh, the Israelis, uh, they suffered great casualties in the IDF up north in that battle, but God was with them, and they began to turn the battle. What happened is there was a young man in the IDF. He got separated in the battle during the war. He got separated from his group, and uh, he suddenly found the enemy closing in on him. And, you know, it's the fog of war. You know, when all this stuff is going on, it's very easy for this to happen. Well, there was a tank coming right at him. He grabbed a, um, a rocket uh, propelled grenade, picked up that rocket propellant gun, and ran towards the tank. One man ran and charged the tank. He pulled the trigger, shot the grenade, and the grenade hits the tank, blows it to pieces, kills the enemies that were in there, and suddenly the battle begins to turn because one man ran against a tank. <laughs> Can you believe that? That's what David did. He ran towards Goliath. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, when we conclude this message today, you need to take your stone. You need to take your prophetic utterance. Maybe you laid it down and you need to pick it back up and you need to call it. You need to prophesy it the way you want it to be. Stop letting the devil try to dictate your life and run him out of your life and say, this is the way it will be. This is how my life is going to be and prophesy it. And as you do that in the spirit realm, this thing's coming through the air at a velocity that's taken out whatever it is that's standing in your way, whether it's debt, whether it's insufficiency financially, whether it's a headache, mm, whether it's depression, suicidal thoughts, or whatever it would be, the enemy is going to get mowed down because the Holy Spirit is riding on this stone. Trust me, that was a miracle shot. No normal person can make that shot, no matter how much they practice with a sling and a stone under duress like that. Try it sometime. Next time, maybe, uh, it may, may it never happen, but should you ever find yourself in a life, situ life situation where you're fighting your survival, uh, uh, take note of how calm you are. No, it's, it's everything in you going through the roof. You're trying to stay, that person's trying to kill you. <laughs> you're, trying to, you're trying to stay alive. Uh, Yes, it's, this is a miracle shot. 
but that is your that is your prophetic decree. It, look, folks, we are in the age of miracles. We are in the month. We are in the hour of miracles. God is doing miracles right now. You need to open your mouth and give God something powerful to work with. Give something uh, out of your mouth that the angels say, let's jump on that prophetic decree because that's going to bring a lot of glory to the Lord. Mm-mm. Is that not what David said? Praise God. He said this, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. I think the angel said, we're getting behind that stone. That stone's going to come out of that sling faster than any bullet coming out of any rifle. Mm-mm. And it did. <laughs> Praise God. All right, let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for all the spiritual warriors that are watching right now, those that refuse Goliath's taunts and refuse to live in an atmosphere of intimidation and all of the bullying tactics of the enemy. I thank you, Father, that the day today, that ends today. And I thank you, Father, that your people are making their mighty decrees. Now, I thank you that each decree is tailored uniquely to the individual and that they must speak it because we all have individual prophecies and individual assignments and callings, etc. But, Father, I thank you for your spirit helping that believer to rise back up and continue to pound that prophetic decree. And I thank you that it is being launched through the air and that miracles are taking place. You're doing miracles for your people in this moment and in the days to come, even greater and greater miracles. Father, we give you all of the praise. Bless and strengthen your people in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise God. By the way, I hope that you will come with my wife and I on our next tour to Israel. This last one that we had was one of the best tours we have ever had. We actually had a very spiritual group of people, and we saw some sights and were able to do some things that were very, very special. Mm -mm. Hey, let me pop this one up there. This is not really relating to today's message, but this was kind of fun. This was something I I always wanted to do, and I, I even said that I would do it. I said, I'm going to swim in the Jordan River. Well, I've baptized people before in the Jordan River, but every time I've gone there, it's so packed sometimes with thousands of people at the baptismal site, but we caught it at a time when a lot of the other groups had just left. And um, what did that allow me to do? It allowed me to finally be able to have some room to swim around in the Jordan River. Here it is. Check it out. Do a backstroke. Okay, go ahead. Go to the <laughs> Okay, Ooh, I guess he is. <laughs> a fresh anointing. Hallelujah. Woo! There you go. Glory, glory, glory. What's that? So sweet. Yes, let's do it. Well, praise the Lord. By the way, the Jordan River is not dirty. Um, That color that looks like chocolate milk comes from the minerals that are in the sediment that get washed into the Jordan as it travels uh, throughout the land of Israel and empties down into the Dead Sea. But the water is actually very clean. It's just uh, colored that way because of mineralization. Praise God. So pray about coming with us to Israel on our next tour. And so, by the way, we went around 
Israel doing good, we were able to bless a lot of people. You have to be very sensitive to the way that you do that in Israel because um, in Israel, there's a great sense of dignity. Before, when we have helped the poor and we have worked with the IDF soldiers to distribute food or goods to those that would be in need, um, when the soldiers distribute it, they don't even knock on the door and say, hey, we've got a gift box for you. They don't do that. Why? They want the person to maintain their respect and dignity, even if they are in a very great place of need. So the box is simply placed there at the doorstep of their home. That way the person can, in their own privacy, open the door, see the blessing that we have made possible, and then they can take it into the privacy of their home and thank God for people, for Christians, for you that care and love them enough to do something like that. So um, on our ministry Instagram, there are some uh, videos of the soldiers thanking us and, of course, our ministry partners who made it possible to be a great, great blessing. We had a door open uh, to go about doing good in a way that was even larger than what I thought we could do because we were just thinking, let's go around and bless some people. But God opened a special door where we were able to bless the IDF soldiers who were on the front lines. Remember, uh, Israel was being attacked with over 500 rockets. And this whole group of soldiers, I won't say too much on the internet, because remember, it's against the law in Israel to evangelize. And why, while I don't directly try to evangelize Jews, I do, I do just love on them. I love on them. And I also, if they ask me to pray for them, I pray in the name of Jesus. I do not deny the God that I, I serve and, the, and, and Jesus who shed his blood for me. So I pray in the name of Jesus. But on our Instagram page, you can see the videos of the soldiers thanking us because we were able to bless a full platoon of 100 soldiers, 97 men, three women. By the way, the women in Israel, even if they're in the IDF, they don't fight on the front lines. Why not, Pastor Stephen? Because they have an enemy, unlike other enemies. The enemies they go against, Hezbollah, Hamas, these terrorist organizations, some, these are people that have no conscience. They have no problem killing little children, killing people. So, uh, you have to keep that in mind. But we were a great, great blessing. And the reason that we were able to do that is because of your love and support. So we can just love on them. Amen. We can just love on them. They know we're Christians. They know that we serve Jesus Christ. Uh, but it speaks volumes uh, of what we could do to just demonstrate great love to them. We hosted an entire barbecue for them. You know, when you're uh, eating hummus, and pita bread and drinking water, uh, that can get a little bit boring in the military. But we were able to provide each one of them a barbecue steak dinner and a lot of snacks where they could enjoy themselves because when you're on night shift, night watch, you know, out in these remote areas, sure is nice to have a bag of uh, potato chips and a soda. <laughs> so we did some things that made a lot of soldiers really, really happy, and it really touched their hearts. So at our ministry Instagram account, you'll see some of those videos that have been posted. And I just want to say thank you because we were able to go around doing good. Oh, praise God. Amen. And it meant, it really did mean a lot to them. And let me say something very special, and I know this will bless your heart. There are many large ministries in the earth 
that love to bless Israel. There are, there are ministries that, uh, over, uh, that each year they'll put over $100 million into Israel. And that, that's fantastic. But let me, let me just share that what we did, that, that what we did was so rare that even the large mega ministries cannot do what we just did. We have a contact in Israel. We made one call to him and he made one call. And the next thing you know, we have two IDF shoulder, uh, soldiers showing up saying we are ready to receive the blessing through this ministry. Now show me any other ministry, no matter how much uh, they contribute and support that can make a phone call and have IDF soldiers real ones serving that are active, show up and be a blessing even in the midst when Israel's being bombarded with rockets. It's, 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 it is a door of favor that is absolutely incredible. And because of your giving and your love for this ministry and your love for the Jewish people who we owe a debt to because they're the ones that gave us our Messiah, Jesus of Nazareth, well, we were able to be a blessing in a very, very special way. And they know it. And they know it. And you know what? We're not done blessing Israel yet. Amen. Praise God. We've got some bigger and greater plans. That if we would have had more time, and if there had not been rockets raining down over Israel, then we could have actually had gone to the base and met these soldiers. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. All right. If you're watching today, and you you don't know Jesus. You, you maybe you've never made a prophetic decree or anything like that, but you're just drawn to the Lord because of his love for you. Why don't you get your life right with God today? Pray this prayer. I want to lead you in a prayer and you can put your faith in Jesus and he'll save you from your sins, give you his new newness of life and he'll take you to heaven with him. Amen. Okay. And if you used to be a Christian, but for whatever reasons, you fell away, got tangled up in some things that you shouldn't have gotten into, but the Lord is very gracious and merciful. Come on back to him today. He'll restore you and uh, wash all of that away and uh, put you right back into the place of blessing that he wants you to be in. Okay, so wherever you're at, pray this prayer after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe in you with all of my heart. I believe you died on the cross to pay the penalty for my sins. So Jesus, I receive you as my Lord and Savior. I put all of my trust and faith in you. Wash my sins away. Write my name in your book of life. Step into my life and lead me and guide me from this day forward. Thank you, Jesus. In your name I pray. Amen and amen. Now, now utter this prophetic decree right now. Say, I will serve Jesus all the days of my life. I will live my life fully for him. I serve the true and living God, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Hallelujah. The savior of my soul. Amen. What's going on within your spirit? <laughs> You're feeling, feeling really good, aren't you? Praise God. Amen. Well, let's take Holy Communion today. I want you to grab some unleavened bread. Hallelujah. Grab some grape juice. And if you don't have these little wafers, grab a cracker, okay? Grab the, or a little piece of bread and grab yourself some grape juice. If you don't have grape juice, grab what you would have available, okay? And let's pray over it and bless it. 
Heavenly Father, thank you for the bread. Thank you for the juice. We bless it right now. And through this prayer, we set it apart as being holy. Mm -mm. We thank you that this is now the body and the blood of Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Father, as we receive the Lord's flesh, we thank you for a mouth to speak, for wisdom to know what to speak, and we're combining them together to utter powerful prophetic decrees that will be miraculously fulfilled. We believe it, and we receive the Lord's flesh now in his name. Amen. Let's partake together. Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus. We thank you for its mighty cleansing power, saving us, keeping us from all sin and shame. Oh, Father, we thank you. Thank you for the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. We receive it now, and we thank you for a clear conscience, a clean conscience with you and with others, knowing that we are washed with the blood of Jesus, and all of our sins are washed away. And we thank you for no phantom memory of sins. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. You know, um, if you had an accident, some people have had an accident. Maybe they cut their leg off. Maybe before it was cut off, they had pain in that leg. Uh, and then after the leg was cut off, although it's gone, they still feel like they have that leg and there's still like pain. That's called phantom pain. But no phantom pain from past sins. They are all washed away with the blood of Jesus. They are gone forever. They are forgotten by God. Now we have memory, but it's just any memory of it is like burnt ashes. It's completely gone. Amen. Let us now receive the cleansing blood of Jesus. Woo! Praise the Lord. Now, it's time for you to engage in some spiritual warfare. <laughs> Glory to God. Open your mouth with a mighty decree. God will fulfill it. You will see. Now, let it truly be a mighty decree, not something that maybe a mouse could fulfill. No, something that God can get behind, that the angels say, now this is the projectile. This is the verbal projectile. We've been looking for that person to speak, and we're going to write on that, and we're going to cause it to come to pass. Let the stone come out of your sling. Let the words and the wisdom come out of your mouth now. Make those declarations. Watch what God's going to do for you. It'll be the miracle kill shot on that thing that has caused you so much trouble. And to God be all the glory. God bless you. I'll see you back next time. Bye-bye.